Welcome to Creatives Grab Coffee, the podcast on the business of video production. Creatives Grab Coffee is hosted by Dario Nuri and Kirill Lazarov from Labs Productions. Our goal is to share knowledge and experiences from video production professionals around the world. Whether you're a freelancer looking to start your own business or a seasoned business owner aiming to scale your company, this is the show for you. Join us as we develop a community of like-minded creatives looking to learn and help each other grow. Welcome to the business of video production. Welcome to Creative Scrap Coffee. Before we get started with the show, let's go over today's sponsors. Do you have a shoot in Toronto? Do you need crew or a strong production partner to help you with your project? Laps Productions is one of the top production companies in Toronto and your go-to video partner. With our strong creative skills and extensive network, we can help you achieve your goal. Laps Productions is able to offer you production services, white label services, or finder fees for project handoffs. Reach out to us on our website at lapsproductions.com to learn more. My name is Miran. Welcome to Canada Film Equipment. We are a boutique rental house based in Toronto. We are here to help you guys out with all production sizes. Feel free to contact us to get a quote if you are a production house and you're looking for lighting, camera packages, or lighting and group fan packages. You can see our contact information in the link below. We're more than happy to help you guys out. Make sure you follow and subscribe to creativesgrabcoffee.com. Thank you. Hey, what's up everybody? I'm Matt, welcome to Audio Process. We are a boutique audio company doing location sound, sound design, post sound, ADR, Foley. We service equipment. We do all your audio needs here in Toronto. We got you covered. Come on down, audioprocess.ca. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, and all of the other internet things to creativesgrabcoffee.com. They'll be waiting for you, I'll be waiting for you, and we're all gonna have a real good time. Creative Scrap Coffee is on Patreon. Help support the show by becoming a patron via the link in the description and get exclusive access to full uncut episodes, all reels and highlights at episode release, live shows and call-ins, ability to request cities and guests, and updates plus BTS content. Join now via the link in the description to get access to all the knowledge our guests have to offer. And now, let's begin the show. Okay, Dario, shall uh, you take it away then? I shall take the reins. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, welcome to episode 51 of Creators Grab Coffee. Today we got Sean from Jukepooth with us, and he's from Boston. So we, we're now breaking into Massachusetts. And yeah, happy to have you on, Sean. Happy to be here. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Thank you. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your company? Yeah, so I got started in the photography world, a little bit different than some of the other people you've had on. Um, I don't have like a film school background at all. I went to college for new media, so kind of everything collectively. And while I was in college, I was looking for an internship. And I had the opportunity to intern at Converse um, at their headquarters and in their photo studio, which was super cool. So I just wanted to learn everything I could about lighting and sneakers and how to like light just different product. So I did that my junior year and that opened up a world for me of like, this could be a profession. So I started to do more of this photography thing out of school. I shot in some other studios and then really started to get into more video editing. 
um, when I was in high school, I filmed like fun videos with my friends, like snowboarding and things like that, and but never got really serious about it. And so I got to try new projects and some people gave me some editing projects here and there to kind of do. And, and then I started filming my own stuff and really took off and switched over from photo to video and just saw that the video world just seemed a little more interesting to me. And like, maybe there was more there, like photo is still great and I'll do it all the time. But the video aspect was, seemed like there was so many more opportunities. So you learned how to light sneakers. How, how am I doing with my background? Is it good? Yeah, it looks pretty good, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was cool to like learn all that. I mean, it's, it, there's a lot more that goes into it than people think. You know what's rare is that you uh, a lot of photographers find it hard to switch to video, but I've I have heard of several video people easily switching into photography. So yeah, you might, you're the odd man out basically because it's it's pretty rare. Like you don't hear about that. Yeah. They have a hard time switching to video. Yeah, I'm not sure what it is. I think I mean I always loved filming. Like I said, like snowboarding films with my friends and like. I liked how there was like more to put together. Like you weren't just done with the image and like that was it. Like you could actually change the story or change the way it feels because of the way you put it together. And there's just more to work with, which seemed more fun to me. Um, okay, so then you transition into video and um, you just like, how did that, um, what was the next step after that? Like, were you, at what point did you go from being a freelancer to starting your own company? So I did the freelance thing for a while. So I was in the studio at Converse. Um, so after college, I did a bunch of different studio work at different places. And then I jumped back into Converse because they needed some photo help. So as I was there, um, I also got the opportunity to do some editing because they didn't have the editing bandwidth that they needed. So they were like, hey, have you done any editing? I'm like, yeah. So I did some video editing. So I was like putting together like sizzles and like small things here and there. And then slowly some things came up like, hey, do you also shoot? Can you uh, shoot this small thing? And it would be like kind of studio-esque, just shoot the sneaker or whatever it is spinning. So I would do some of these small projects. And then I started to really get into it and started to find other storytelling projects outside of work that I wanted to follow. Like I found a musician that I really liked who was local and I followed him around, made like a little documentary of him making his first album. So I like started to really get into it myself and not necessarily just chasing like clients. And I think that's what brought forward more clients is that I was just out there filming and creating and putting things out. Um, and I wasn't necessarily like, hey, how do I get hired by this person? And so then slowly as I was doing the photography thing and the editing thing, I started to develop some clients outside and did the freelance um, thing and then fully went freelance by myself just doing video and picked up as many clients as possible. And then it just grew to the point where I was like, this is too hard to do by myself. It's, I mean, you could, but uh, it gets crazy. Like if you try and do it all yourself, I know there's a lot of people that still do and there's plenty of projects out there that you can do by yourself, but even just having like the one extra person on set or when you get bigger budgets and you start getting like a gaffer and like ACs and produce it's it's nice because it it allows people to do the thing that they're good at and so you're not just like stretching yourself so thin even just having like a PA is leagues 
above yeah. just doing it all yourself. Yeah. yeah, it saves a lot of time uh, and energy than just being the one-man band for so long. And it's funny, you actually just uh, proved it right there. What I was saying was that you got into it because you were genuinely curious about the process. You you, you found projects that you, you really enjoyed and were passionate about. So you had your motivation to kind of get into it. You didn't do it out of necessity. You're like, oh, I need to do video in order to survive in this industry. It's like that. that's such a weak uh, goal to have in order to jump into a whole business line. Because if you're doing uh, any kind of business with just that, it's it's going to be very difficult to to be successful in it. Yeah, it's true. If you're chasing like what everybody else is because you're like, well, this is where everything's shifting. If that's not where you belong and you don't feel like you enjoy it, you shouldn't go after it. I mean, this whole industry is built off of a lot of people who find curiosity in different spaces and you're like oh, i, I want to shoot music videos because that's something i have interest in not because there's more money or less money or whatever it is it's like people just follow the path or you should at least follow the path that you're interested in and everything else should fall into place but what happens now if you're trying to do that but also you need to pay the bills right i was gonna Able say to like that, the, that our, our, our previous episode that we were talking about i kind of like touched on these topics that that works uh when you're trying to find your footing and then once you become like a business owner like we all are now then you kind of go okay i need to now pivot my business towards where the money is right so within that field right so like now we're all in the corporate field and you kind of figure out okay uh not so much money and not not nonprofits, for example but more so right. in manufacturing. So let's try to do more videos in that industry. Yeah, you do start to look into that for sure when you're a business owner because you're like, you're obviously passionate about stuff. Like we'll stay, we'll still take on projects that like I'm really passionate about, but maybe it's more of a passion project and there isn't, because there's a lot of things that like, a lot of the storytelling stuff that's really fun doesn't usually pay that well unless you can tag a brand onto it which is too bad. I think there's a lot of companies moving that way though, which is nice is like, let's tell a story and let's find real people instead of this commercial-esque thing. But to your point, we like work with all kinds of different corporations and we do all the different talking head type videos because a lot of those pay really well and you go after the bill, like you have to pay your bills and yeah. that helps you yeah. then do these like fun things. Do you have a shoot in Toronto? Do you need crew or a strong production partner to help you with your project? Laps Productions is one of the top production companies in Toronto and your go-to video partner. With our strong creative skills and extensive network, we can help you achieve your goal. Laps Productions is able to offer you production services, white label services, or finder fees for project handoffs. Reach out to us on our website at lapsproductions.com to learn more. What were some of the first like uh, like uh, hurdles that you uh, started facing once you switched from freelancing to being like a, an actual business? Like, what were some of the first major challenges you faced? I think to start the business, the major challenge was I needed a little bit of like assistance and help to make some of the things that people were asking for. Um, so I think finding freelancers that I could work with, that I could trust and that were skilled to do the thing like I was doing, but just sat like next to me. So like one of the people that started working with me right off the bat was uh, one of my best friends growing up. So like he went to photo school 
Um, he was big into like video and film. And so he and I just started to like tag team projects together. Um, he's also a musician. So he was like doing that at the same time. So there was definitely a little crossover where he wasn't available all the time. So I had to start like growing the roster of like, if he's not available, who's next. So I think that's the struggle is like finding people that you work well with too. Like not only are they skilled, but I mean, in this industry, you have to have people that can get along and also get along with your clients. Cause if you're client facing and you have a team and they're not good with the clients, it's just not somebody that could be on set with you. So I think that's the hardest thing is to find the right people to work with you. Um, and that, that was a challenge and it always is a challenge. I think it's, it's one of the biggest challenges in this industry is like most of the people that I find freelance, they'll be like, Hey, I'm down to work on something. I'd love to work on that. Like, cool project like you guys did at that music festival or whatever. I'm like, yeah, like those, those are cool. That doesn't happen every day. So you have to be cool <laughs> with working on the other things too. And like a lot of people just want to work on the cool stuff. And the minute somebody says that I'm like, okay, yeah, I think we'll put you on the list, but probably not going to be a regular because we need people that are like, yeah, I'll go film that bank video or whatever it is. And like, I think you need the people that are willing to adapt and work on all the videos, like the corporate talking heads, the cool studio videos, the cool music videos. So finding the right people, I think, is the, the biggest challenge when starting a production company. How do you find your freelancers normally? For us, it's usually been through word of mouth. Like we, we uh, someone in our network we, we've done work with, we always ask, like, hey, do you know a gaffer, for example? And they're like, yeah, I've worked with this this guy and that guy and they're pretty good and then from there like if they're not available they'll recommend someone else and again whenever you're recommending someone it's always your reputations on the line so you never get recommended bad people because then you you'll go back yeah. to the guy and say yo who'd who'd you send me man like this guy stinks <laughs> yeah totally yeah i think where i found most people is word of mouth i think the same thing like especially for like audio or gaffers like we have a couple people that we use for audio all the time. And then if they're like completely not available, they'll give me like a little list and it's people <laughs> yeah. that they trust. And um, it's bad when you can't find anybody doing audio. I mean, there's like, sometimes there's a massive demand for it and other times there's a lot of people available. So I think word of mouth for sure. The one thing with finding um, with finding freelancers is that it it is hard because they also <clears throat> the only way to really test someone and get to know fully if they're going to be a good fit is if you actually hire them for a project and sometimes you have to figure out okay what is like the right project to bring someone on where you can test them where you know if they're not as good as you expected you know it's still you could still deliver on the project no problem right and it's uh, the hardest that we found over the years was finding editors good editors that we can bring editors on. are hard and yeah, so hard. it's hard. it's very very difficult and the only way to really get a sense of um uh, how good an editor is is to start completing those projects and getting that confidence you know and i the one thing uh, i always try to do is uh, if we can bring editors on for a small project because then getting that first win under the belt is 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 important because essentially you get to figure out what their process is like how it is to go from start to finish if it's like a very small video that you can get that out of the way first it's like okay you get a sense of how they work now you can bring them on for a bigger project and then a bigger one and then a bigger one and then the more completions you have with any freelancer 
the more confidence you have with them, obviously. Right. And that's, um, that's the hardest thing. And then sometimes people apply, it's like on paper, they may look good, but then I, like you said, that filter you have right there, you've gotten from your own experience where if they're like, Oh yeah, I want to do that cool project only not uh, willing to do the one, I mean, basic project, uh, you know, like maybe being a second camera operator for, like you said, a bank video, that's so key because even though it's a boring project, you can get a sense of how good these people are to collaborate with. Right. Yeah. I think the, the editing thing for sure is one of those, like, it's hard because you're like, okay, we're going to take a leap and you can't really, you can look at their reels, but that really doesn't help you because you have a specific project that needs to be done. And you also have like your production company has a style. Like that's why people hire certain companies. That's why we can all exist. That's why we can all work together too. Is like we have different ways of doing things and that's why certain companies will hire you. It's not because you do something way better necessarily. It's just maybe like you have this sort of style and this look that people want and hiring the editors is hard because you're like, you want to keep that style. So you're like bringing somebody in you're like, can you help match like what we're doing and you can put your own stuff into it, but let's like kind of like walk the line so we don't go too far out to like what maybe you did over here with this video. So it's, I think that editing, like finding editors, I think is one of the hardest things. And that's one thing that, I mean, it, you, like you said, you don't know until you just like give them work. Yeah. That's the only way you'll ever know because then you'll get a sense of how they are working with your work. And the one other filter that we have is um, we never ask really for editors to send us their reels. Uh, maybe as like a, as like another thing to just throw in, but reels are the worst thing to determine uh, an editor's uh, skill set because it's just a highlight. It's just a short highlight video. It doesn't tell anything else on what their abilities are. So we, we always ask for three key examples of like maybe a certain type of industry. It's like if if we're looking for someone to edit a corporate video, send us three of your best corporate videos that you've worked on. And if we start to see a consistency between them, good creativity and, you know, they can tell a good story with that. Okay. That, that should give us enough to, to work with, but if only a real and maybe one or two other projects, they could have just grabbed a bunch of clips and thrown them together. It doesn't mean they know what they're really doing. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's, it's hard to tell from anybody's real, even like a DP's real. It's like, yeah. Can you show me something that you did that was like a full project? I mean, we, I, the funny thing with certain people when they're, so like, we'll get people that reach out to try and get a position here. They're like, Hey, you hiring. And a lot of times people will just send a resume. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, like send me something visual. Same with like yeah. voiceover actors. I'm like, if you're a voiceover actor, Oh my God, actor, they're the worst. Don't send me an email. Send me a voice. Like, yeah, send, yeah. Like at least do that. Cause like. I'm not going to hire you unless you like, like send me something funny. Like I had one voiceover actor call me and left me a message. I'm like, that's cool. Like yeah. oh, if you yeah. send me an, cause if you send me an email, I'm like, I don't know. Like I get spammed. Emails. Do you get spammed a ton by voiceover actors? Tons, tons. Oh my God. They're Horrible. on LinkedIn now too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I get the LinkedIn ads. Emails. I can't. Yeah, I oh, you get ads. Too. No, no, I don't get ads. I get like messages. I get a ton of emails and I, I have a ton of people that apparently can't read because on our website, it clearly says, okay, if you're a freelancer, fill out this form. And they always email me. So I always spam those emails. And the other thing is they'll put links in there and I don't want to get fished. 
don't right, know what's yeah, in that exactly. link. I could click that. God knows what's in that link. Uh, yeah. I'm not clicking nowadays. No, yeah, I'm not going to click your PDF. God knows. Take all my money or whatever, to, yeah. all my bank accounts, my passwords yeah. or something. I don't know. Not yeah, Dario was mentioning that that a, that in the States you guys get um, oh, the, no, the, no. The so scam this is, artists. This is this, uh, when I was calling Sean last week. Um, uh, he thought my number was was uh, one of those scam <laughs> calls, right? So I was asking him what type of scam calls they get in the U.S. Because here in Canada, you you hear two types of accents, and you, you right away you know it's a scam call. If you hear a Chinese yeah. one, it's they're trying to trick Chinese people into something. Um, and uh, if you hear an Indian one, it's always the air duct guys. So I was the asking Sean, guys. I was like, Sean, what do you guys get? And it was wild. They get like people pretending to be Google reps. It's like yeah. next level like scam yeah. calls. We get people pretending to be bank reps. Like it's happened to somebody I know where they call and they say, hey, we need some of this information. It looks like there's some fraud on your account. Like they act like legit. And then like, yeah, if you give them certain, like I, anytime I get a call like that, I'm like, I'll call the bank myself. Like always, I'm, even even if they're like I'm from this or like whatever it is, they're like, hey, we need like the other one I get a lot now as a business owner is, hey, you've just been pre-approved for like a massive loan. Like all you have to do is call us back. It's like relief money. I'm like, Are they still giving out relief money? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> that one seems to be overused, but like they must be getting some people. And so you'd call back, and then they would sign you up for the loan, I guess, and. They're so advanced over there. Here, it's all like getting, it's like they don't try over here. <laughs> no, no, no. They've 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 moved over to here actually with that specific uh, scam, Sean. You were talking about like uh, yeah. someone I know uh, was going through a similar thing, and they were talking to me about it, and like they were going through it and saying, "Hey, um, like the the bank just called me, and they're and they're telling me this. They need some. Uh, they're saying I'm frauded, this and that." And I'm like, okay, just call them back rather than just go through that. That was exactly my initial response. But they said, but they started telling me about how some specific transactions that I had recently done that were very specific, that were accurate. And I'm like, really? What? How did they? How I'm did like, how the hell did out? they know that? And th that's that's what I was wondering. And, and I was like, okay, let's let's listen in and, and listen to the call. We're listening in and and something was off like the whole time. Like, okay, this is, even though it sounds legit, just end the call. And call them back, and so that's what we did. But how did call they know? Back. That's what we'll never know. We'll never know how they knew this specific information. Like maybe they got some bank statement from, I don't know. But the, the, that was the that's scary part. Is that? What if it was real? Scary thing. <laughs> it was a real call. <laughs> you just call them back. So that's exactly it. If it, if it was real, you yeah. call them back. And oh, okay. So that was legit. All right, let's actually go through and fix this. You guys want to laugh? This this happened back when I was a kid. Okay, so. This must have been when I was like 10 or something. And my dad got a letter in the mail. And it was an it was the African prince one, right? So he's <laughs> when they gave he's letters like, back in yeah, the day. Yeah, yeah. Oh, bro, it, was a, it was a yellow letter. And it said it was the African one where it's like, oh, you know, blah, 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 blah. Died and he left you as the executor of the world. Soul heir. <laughs> so he, my dad's like, come here. Look at this. We're rich. He was messing around with me. He's like, look, I, I just got $10 million. And me... I didn't know at the time. So for like five oh minutes, I'm like, holy shit, we're millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best prank a dad can and he pull was on alive. his kid. You know, if, if it was like nowadays, he probably would have recorded me and posted it as a reel. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Instant viral sensation. Oh, my God. Yeah. What was I going to say? Uh, oh, actually, I forgot to mention this. I don't want to interrupt. But you mentioned audio people, right? Well, we have a new sponsor for the show as 
our listeners probably heard at the beginning of the episode, but Audio Process is a sponsor of the show. So if you need audio personnel or recording spaces in Toronto, make sure to reach out to them. Um, contact info is in the description, and you probably heard it at the, in the beginning and probably in the middle and at the end because we got a 30-second ad going. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Matt. Welcome to Audio Process. We are a boutique audio company doing location sound, sound design, post-sound, ADR, Foley. We service equipment. We do all your audio needs here in Toronto. We got you covered. Come on down, audioprocess.ca. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, and all of the other internet things to creativesgrabcoffee.com. They'll be waiting for you, I'll be waiting for you, and we're all gonna have a real good time. Yeah, I think editing's fun. I mean, I, I, I mean, there's times where it's like tedious and you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I have to keep doing this. But if you can choose what you edit, it becomes a little more fun. I mean, I started my like, career editing basically um so i think that was kind of how i got really into it and uh now i I do it every now and then but try and get other people to do it so i can start working on like pitching and other things yeah i mean editing takes a lot of time so if you can't be doing it all the time if you're running a business like maybe on just some select things or if it's something that is uh in a way kind of like business development right so like i'm doing like a lot of our client projects we we hand that off to editors because they're able to like we can give to multiple people to be handling a few different projects at the same time whereas um, a lot of the editing I do right now is focused on uh, pushing the business forward in some way and then creatives grab coffee is one of those platforms where we do that Um, and I think uh, to your point selective editing that's where it kind of comes in you want to focus on on work and projects that can kind of help either progress the business forward uh, via business development or creativity, de- portfolio development, things like that, that can help evolve it in some way, right? I mean, you spending time editing a corporate video, like a similar one that you've done before, is not going to push the business to the next level in any way, shape, or form, right? It's 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 part of the process. It's one of the products you're, you're servicing. But if you, say, focused on editing like this documentary series, you know that this doc could have some big potential for your business to grow, expand, or... Who's the doc for? Like, are you doing it for a client? Yeah, so we, so this guy, so the other camera operator, he grew up with this guy who's like a professional hunter now, and he had some sponsors. We shot some small stuff for them. And then they, we basically pitched to them. He was like, hey, I'm going on this hunt with my friend, and you guys should film it. And it's his first elk hunt ever. He's been hunting his whole life and like it was a bow hunt too. So oh, wow. was like, yeah, it was, it was crazy. So he was like, let's pitch it and see if they'll, they'll take it. So we basically pitched to one of his sponsors and they were like, let's do it. Let's, let's make this thing happen. And I mean, our goal is to make it like Yeti's films. So like we, we, we hiked for miles. Like we did, I think probably like 10 miles a day. And we had like 50 pound days? bags. We did seven days. Well, so you had yeah, to be I mean, nimble. So did you guys right. get the elk by uh, yeah. the end? We did. We nice. got an elk and it was uh, less than a 10% chance of him getting one. That's basically really? the odds out there. Yeah. He's very, we got, we did get lucky, but he's also very skilled at tracking. Um, but yeah, we had to be nimble. Packing for that was insane. We had so many things that we wanted to bring. 
and we had like the one thing we had to figure out is like how many batteries are we going to shoot because like we weren't charging so yeah yeah, yeah. but like batteries weigh the same amount if they're full or if they're empty (laughs) yeah (laughs) so you're like like you can eat all your food that you bring out and be like sweet uh, my my bag's lighter but like batteries so that was hard for us we chose the c70s nice um so we shot the whole thing uh raw on the c70s wow and the raw is incredible like we've been just doing some color stuff here in the studio and it's equivalent to ari from what i've seen on on some youtube comparisons it's incredible i mean we have so we have a red vista vision raptor the 8k which is beautiful camera but like you can't bring that out there no No way you would have been able to (laughs) it would have been like 14 batteries a day to run that thing jesus so we took the c70s and we wanted to bring like three lenses a piece but we're like i mean we had to bring our tents we had to bring our water our food so we brought yeah so we shot a 70 to 200 on one of them and then uh 24 to 105. drf yeah so we went rf for everything because one last piece of tech in between because we're thinking like what what if something breaks we also each had we had like an r with us to do photos and then i had a fuji um xt4 so like we had options because we were doing time lapses so like yeah, but the battery just, the batteries on that one stink on the xt4 yeah but so we had solar panels with us, like little solar packs. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I was, I was wondering oh about my that. Oh, God, that's hilarious. <laughs> little ones, very small. And so you'd hang them off your pack and they would charge because we were running tentacles for time code. I mean, we had, a, we had a lot of gear, but it made everything work. So like you look at some of the scenes and they'll be like, they'd be like 200, 300 yards away from us. You can still hear them because they have tentacle recorders on. So they're like whispering because a lot of the hunt was like, no talking and it was very quiet and we had to like creep through the woods so it was an incredible experience because you're here trying to film this thing but also trying to like make sure you don't stand out so you don't like ruin the hunt yeah that makes sense because you have to be like you have to be almost like a hunter with the hunter you know you're hunting the hunter (laughs) you know what it's like you know those you know those videos where they they show i've only seen it for for crossfit where the the guy's sprinting and then the camera guy's matching his speed yeah. sprinting with him <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah you know it's like that i mean we've done stuff like that we used to film a lot of stuff at this for the spartan races so we would do that we would run with the runners and like so it's yeah you have <laughs> you're to, better like, than the runner because you're holding like 20 pounds worth of gear right and that was the thing with this hunting thing like we had vests that we like clipped our cameras into so you could always have it available to shoot um so like you can't have it in your bag. So you're hiking up these like crazy pitches. We did like, I think we were camping at like 10,000 feet elevation. Wow. So like, I mean, it was beautiful. And we got some like lightning shots. We got caught in a lightning nice. storm. It's gonna be cool. Wow. It's I, just I, like, I, it's a I lot to I can't wait to through. see it. I, honestly, yeah. when minute. you release it, How did, send it to us. Did, like we can't wait yeah. to you see have like that. That would be cool. Uh, we gotta ask him what kind of rain cover he had for the C70 because that thing's not waterproof so well or weather so sealed. That, yeah so we didn't have we had like you can get like water covers for the cameras like they build like these they're not they're not very ergonomic and they're hard and they to make, use. So they make a lot of noise too 
Yeah, that was the thing. Like the minute it rains, like your your audio is gone. Like you're not gonna be, you're gonna have to do some. So we're gonna do some post production stuff where we have a team in Boston that's gonna help us do some like foley and build some sound into it. So we've got like a small sound budget for that, and so we're trying to make it like the best it can be. And hopefully, like you said before, it's like going to grow the business. That's the goal is for this thing to maybe get us into more of the outdoor space. Cause that's, we want to live in that space more than, I mean, we love the studio, but we're really trying to get into this like outdoor adventure, mountain biking, hiking, hunting, that kind of situation. It's a whole different market. And I've always been curious how people jump into those types of spaces. And uh, I'm guessing it's more so like op- this uh, prepare. Yeah. Like this preparedness meets opportunity. You know, and uh, and then uh, putting um, putting a lot of uh, investment and effort into a big project like this. And honestly, I'm I'm still amazed that you tackled such a audio centric, challenging project without an audio operator. That's that's incredible. <laughs> it wasn't my choice. I mean, I asked for it. I was like, can we have one more person to even help us carry gear? And they were like, we're only gonna have four people on this hunt. That's it. So it wasn't a budget thing. And it wasn't, it was literally just a hunting. These two guys were going hunting already just as friends. And now they're bringing a camera crew and they both, they're both very good on camera because they've been, so they're both pro snowboarders. So they have this other world that they've been a part of. So on camera, they're great. Um, so they were cool with the cameras being around. It was just like, number one, can you guys keep up? Which was a little daunting at first because I mean these guys they're like big mountain snowboarders park snowboarders and like they travel all over they're hiking so that was I mean it was physically taxing and I think there were times where we were like I don't know how we're gonna do this like we dropped batteries halfway up one of the trails because we were like we're not bringing these batteries and we're just gonna shoot less like one of the trails was just so intense so we put them in a, a dry bag we marked them on our app I was going to ask about that. (laughs) I mean, I gave like, it was, I think five pounds worth of batteries and we were like, just not worth it. I mean, that was the hardest thing. We brought 25 cards in case so we could just shoot because we're not dropping footage, which is also super scary to do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Because you're shooting cards and then you're putting them. We had a card holder that was like labeled just shot. And then you didn't, you only put stuff in there and you never took anything out. And then when we got to the car, we would drop stuff because we had a couple times where we went to a different zone. Dude, it was scary. Like that whole part was scary because like, not only are you filming it, but now you have all these great shots and you're like, we need to make sure we drop it. And you're, so I would carry the cards in my backpack anywhere we went. So like we would set up our tents and leave them there, but I'd never leave media. Like I'd bring all the cards we shot in case we got lost, whatever happened. And then when we dropped cards, we left a drive in the car and then we brought the media back with us. So like if something happened to our backpack or something, we have a drive in the glove box. Oh man, did you do it daily? Did you drop off the footage daily or was it like every two, three days kind of thing? So we only came out of the woods once because oh my God. <laughs> we moved. Yeah. So How we many shot batteries for- a day did you, did you use? We ended up shooting... I think we, so when we first went out, I think I brought like seven or eight batteries because they thought we were going to be out there. The big ones, right? Yeah. They thought we were going to be out there for like eight days, like straight. So they didn't know because like once you track the elk, 
you're out there and you're like, you're not coming back in. So a lot of it is dependent on where the animals are, if there's other hunters around, all of that stuff, what the terrain is like. And then we were like five miles from the truck and it was like five miles off trail. So it'd take you probably like six hours ish to do that five miles. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, he's in yeah, the bush, right? There's no, there's no yeah. trail out there, right? No, no, no. There's <laughs> a trail leading in, like we did a trailhead in the very beginning, which was like maybe a mile in. And then for hunting, you just want to be as far away from people as possible, especially it was like opening season. So it got really crowded. I mean, we would see people across on another peak. And so you're wondering, oh. are they pushing elk this way? Are we pushing elk towards them? So you had all these factors going on. It was, it was cool. I'd never been on an elk hunt before. Um, so it was very How was cool the meat? to see. Was the meat good? We haven't eaten it yet. So it got butchered in Colorado and then it's going to get freeze dried and shipped here. So I, it'll be here soon. So we're going to get some of it to try. He said Send we could some have some up our way. You know, want. we haven't tried, we haven't tried elk. Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> that yeah. some of that up here. <laughs> I mean, I hiked it out. We helped hike it out too as the camera crew, which was pretty wild. Guys were technically hunters there too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you deserve yeah. you. You deserve some of the game that was. <laughs> well, uh, he's yeah, that was sure. he's caught. he's shooting. He's shooting clips. <laughs> he's still shooting. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he contributed. My name is Miran. Welcome to Canada Film Equipment. We are a boutique rental house based in Toronto. We are here to help you guys out with all production sizes. Feel free to contact us to get a quote if you are a production house and you're looking for lighting, camera packages, or lighting and group fan packages. You can see our contact information in the link below. We are more than happy to help you guys out. Make sure you follow and subscribe to creativesgrabcoffee.com. Thank you. I think uh, we'll probably end it when Kirill comes back. I need to go yeah. for another pee break too. I'm dying right now. <laughs> I don't know how Rogan yeah. does it where he does like those three hour podcasts. Dude, I know, right? I'm back. Well, they'll, sometimes they'll just do it. Then like he'll just leave and like then the guest has to like That's what I talk. did earlier. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I needed I needed to do the same. I'm like, I, I've been, I was like holding it for like the last like maybe 15 minutes. I'm like, yeah, yeah no, I, I just got to do it. <laughs> Okay, we yeah. gotta end this right now because I can't take it anymore. <laughs> My blood is about to burst. <laughs> yeah, Michonne, thanks for jumping on, man, and and sharing uh, like even this awesome docs, the just the story of like how you went about this one major project. Very, very cool, and we can't wait to see how it turns out. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was awesome. I mean, we'll have to do it again sometime. For sure, sounds good. All right, man. All right, thank, thank thanks you, again, and we'll let ever we'll let everyone know when uh, your uh, doc comes out. Cool, yeah. sounds good. Cool. All right. Thank you, guys. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Creatives Grab Coffee. Please make sure to follow and engage with us on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, YouTube, and your favorite podcast app. If you enjoyed this content and want to hear more, you can get the whole experience on our Patreon at patreon.com slash creativesgrabcoffee or click on the link in the description. You'll get access to full uncut episodes, all reels and highlights at episode release, live shows and call-ins, ability to request cities and guests, as well as updates and BTS content. Creatives Grab Coffee is created by Labs Productions, a video production company based in Toronto, Canada. Creatives Grab Coffee is also sponsored by... Do you have a shoot in Toronto? 
Do you need crew or a strong production partner to help you with your project? Laps Productions is one of the top production companies in Toronto and your go-to video partner. With our strong creative skills and extensive network, we can help you achieve your goal. Laps Productions is able to offer you production services, white label services, or finder fees for project handoffs. Reach out to us on our website at lapsproductions.com to learn more. My name is Miran. Welcome to Canada Film Equipment. We are a boutique rental house based in Toronto. We are here to help you guys out with all production sizes. Feel free to contact us to get a quote if you are a production house and you're looking for lighting, camera packages, or lighting and group fan packages. You can see our contact information in the link below. We are more than happy to help you guys out. Make sure you follow and subscribe to creativesgrabcoffee.com. Thank you. Hey, what's up everybody? I'm Matt, welcome to Audio Process. We are a boutique audio company doing location sound, sound design, post sound, ADR, Foley. We service equipment. We do all your audio needs here in Toronto. We got you covered. Come on down, audioprocess.ca. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, and all of the other internet things to creativesgrabcoffee.com. They'll be waiting for you, I'll be waiting for you, and we're all gonna have a real good time. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next one.